Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back to the Monday nights at 9. It is 9.02. Great timing on my part, if I do say so myself. And I do, because I'm the only one talking right now. And in fact, there's nobody even watching. I'm screaming into the void right now. Anyway, oh, there's somebody. Hey there, everybody. It's Monday night. It's the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your buddy, Chris Schreier. How y'all doing? Guys, I'm still fine. Thanks for asking. No uh, lingering side effects from the cannabis uh, uh, project. Is that what we're going to call it? Experiment. It's great. If you missed that, check out the last step in the feed. Did a little, uh, switched it up. Didn't have a beer. Did a midday on Friday and had a, I think we're going to go with drinkable. It's not edible because you don't eat it. You drink it. Anyway, it was fantastic. Big shout out to Tweed and my friends at Fire and Flower. Good stuff. Uh, dig that if you want. But tonight we're back to the huge because it's Monday night and it's after nine. And that can only mean one thing if you're sticking podcast sounds in your ear holes or watching video screens. I don't know what I'm talking about. I had a bit of a tiring day, if I'm honest. Did a lot of nothing and then had to go to physio. So what do we got? Well, I got a seasonally appropriate beer and it was a gift, another gift. Getting a lot of that recently. I'm not going to say no to that. Anybody wants to give me beer or drinkables, I am all for it. Oh, yeah, I just remembered why I'm tired. I did actually do something today. I'll tell you about that later. Don't want to steal the thunder of this beauty if you're watching on the screens. Look at that attractive label. I really like that a lot. That, I believe, is uh, the uh, the Church of Notre Dame. But maybe it's just a a representation. It's an abbey, and it's got flying buttresses, but it's got a pumpkin stained glass window. Seasonally appropriate, kids. This is dark pumpkin abbey from our friends at the Indie Ale House. Yeah, friend of the pod, Dave H., or as my kids like to call him, that Dave. Uh, he dropped it by for me. Very appreciated. I always love it when Dave drops me by something. He seems to get out to the junction a lot for a guy who only lives like a less than a kilometer from my house. But hey, that's his business. And good for him and good for them. He's a good guy to have as a customer. If he patronizes your business, that's great. If he patronizes you as a person, that might be a bit much, but he's a good guy. I don't think he would do that. Little play on words there, guys. This is an English crazy. Anyway, let's get into this. Uh, I'm not going to read. I, tr- I almost started to read the label. I read the word good, but that's all. Uh, and it's a dark pumpkin abbey from India has as discussed. So it's an Indian, you know what that means? It's in a bottle. I got a crown cap. Let's see what happens. I went gentle on that. I went gentle on that because if this is a Belgian style beer, sometimes they can be pretty aggressively carbonated. Oh, I should have gotten a chalice. Huh. Well, sorry, guys. Wasn't thinking. Anyway, what I do have is a pint glass. And this is 650 milliliters of beer, so it would be like two chalices full. This is going to be a pint glass in a bit instead. Uh, here we go. Let's. Uh, I always have to make sure if, if I kind of away from the mic, it's because I'm leaning back so that the people on YouTube can see me pour too. Awkward camera angle. Never in focus either, as we always discuss. Oh, look at the color on that bad boy. That is dark, dark, dark. That is almost the color of Coca-Cola. We'll just do that much for now. Leave some, leave some room for the Holy Spirit. 
That's a funny joke. If you get it, you and I were raised in similar circles. Um, wow. Look at that. That is, yeah. Cola dark, little glimmers of red. It definitely was brown when I was pouring it, but it is quite dark. Um, if you're not watching one of the video feeds, I mean, it looks black on the screen. It is very dark brown, um, which, hey, it's a dark Belgian style. If that makes sense. It should be dark. Pardon me. I haven't even had a sip of beer yet, and I'm already burping. Top secret, I was drinking beer already, so probably related. Uh, but this this guy, well, let's just dive in. I was going to start talking to you about Belgian beers, but I could do that for hours. Let's talk about this Belgian style beer first. Oh, wow. So, you know me. I like my hazy boys. I like my hoppy fellas. I like an IPA. But where I really kind of cut my teeth on interesting and complicated beers, it was Belgian Abbey style beers. And this one's doing a lot of the right things right now for me. So very much a lot of dark uh, dried fruit, jamminess, dark berries, leather, mm. some spices from the yeast for sure. I don't want to, I don't want to go out on a limb on this one. Generically spicy. I, I kind of want to say pepper, but let's, let's take it to the palate and then we'll talk more. Mm, mm, mm. That's pretty good. I'm not going to lie, guys. I almost don't want to do the rest of this podcast. This beer tastes like huiga, as the Finns would say, or huiga. I'm not sure how you say it. I don't speak Finnish. Incidentally, one of the harder languages in the world that's not tonal to learn. Tonal languages are real tough if you don't speak a tonal language. Finnish, Estonian and Hungarian all root back to the same parent language. And uh, anyway, that's just a weird linguistic language. All not easy languages to learn to speak. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Not unexpected. Uh, less of the dark fruits on the palate. They're there for sure. But what you get a significantly bigger shot of is the malt characteristic and the sugars, which we're going to talk about. Because this... I'm almost certain has dark uh, candy sugar in it. Um, there is a nice, mm, very dark brown, like pumpernickel y, molasses y, that's why. Um, brown bread taste here to the malts. Very, very uh, wholesome, I think it'd be the, the, the word I would use to describe it. Um, very much malt forward. As the beer passes through your mouth, you get left with some nice jammy dried fruit. Think like dates, um, maybe prunes. I know prunes aren't really hot to talk about. People still think of them as like an old person's food or something. But uh, sorry if you can hear that. I've got an itch on my chest. Um, but some nice dark jammy fruits uh, for sure towards the finish. But the front is all beautiful dark malts. Like I say, I think there's some dark candy sugar in there. It could just be that there's molassesiness from the malts, but I tend to think that that's the candy sugar coming through. Um, candy sugar, as an aside, is um, 
it's it's a it's it's candied sugar. If you know about um, confectionery uh, preparation, you heat sugar and it's it melts. Um, but then it, as it's the heat's increasing, it goes through chemical changes. And um, if you if you heat sugar long enough, hard enough, you get to what's called hard crack, uh, which when it cools, it hardens into like, you know, the little hard candies that your granny would have in a little dish next to her seat uh, when you would go around her house. Humbugs and 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 mints and that sort of stuff. Those are all made with sugar that's been um, heated to the point where it, it becomes hard crack. Um, candy sugar in, in brewing can be. Sometimes you'll get it in... Uh, uh, in hard form, like in, in cooled solid chunks. Um, but more often than not, these days you get it in liquid form. So it hasn't been heated to that level, but there's been a conversion uh, within the sugar. And I don't fully understand the, the, uh, the science there. I mean, I know it's a chemical process. And if you, if you remember from high school, from chemistry, uh, a chemical uh, process, it can't be reversed. So um, sugar dissolving in water, can be you can evaporate the water out and you get sugar back um frying an egg you can't unfry an egg uh when you've heated the sugar that way uh, i say you can't scientifically you can but it's really difficult um and so it's been altered and uh and so you get it in liquid form it's quite thick um uh like honey even thicker um and it's it's just um, dextrose. It's just sugar. It's just table sugar um, that's gone through this chemical change, uh, which might make it not dextrose anymore. So don't quote me on that. Um, but it's 100% fermentable. Um, so what it does is it adds alcohol, um, but it, it dries the beer out because there's no residual sugar from it. Um, if you use too much, you end up with taste problems. It becomes kind of one-dimensional and it's not great. But uh, a lot of, most you might even say, uh, Belgian-style beers will make use of some candy sugar, um, sometimes clear if it's a lighter beer, um, which, as the name would have you believe, it's clear. There's no color to it. Um, and then it goes in color stages up all the way to dark, which when you pour it out, it's, uh, it's, it's roughly the color of this beer, actually. Quite dark brown. Um, and that will obviously add a significant um, color component. But it also, the candied sugar, um, has it's a Maillard reaction. It's the Maillard reaction. Um, it's as Maillard as you get. It's sugar caramelizing um, to the point of almost burning. In fact, you've gone past it at that point and you are getting uh, burning, uh, which is a different process. Um, but you get a nice, um, you can get smoke out of it, but you get a ton of very dark molassesy, uh, uh, sugary tastes out of it. And that's a lot of what I'm getting um, in, this, uh, in this malt profile. The other thing with this beer, um, like I said, there's, there's a yeast characteristic. It's not as bonkers as I would have thought off the nose. Um, hmm. Belgian yeast, often spicy. Um, again, not piquant, but um, like a spice cupboard spicy. And yeah, it's there, generically spicy, which is what I said in the scent too. Um, there could be white pepper to it. It's not black peppery. Black pepper has a certain nuance to it, but there's a peppery quality to the yeast uh, taste, I think. Um, but yeah, so beautiful dark malts off the top. Dark fruits... And then, yeah, a dry, not too lingering. Sometimes Belgian ales can really, uh, they're weighty and they linger quite a bit. This is a fairly dry. Oh, interestingly enough, you often don't talk too much about hops and Belgian styles of beer because they're just used to, mostly just used to balance out the, the sweetness. Um, some of the dryness on the finish could be hop related. Couldn't tell you what. 
something actually some of the spice could be from that maybe they use like styrian golding that's a nice hop to use in a belgian ale you heard it first here um but yeah, so interesting. I, I haven't, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to ignore the label. I'll look in just a second. Um, one of the characteristics of some Belgian styles of beer is a lot of alcohol. Um, you want a warming effect, in fact. And that's why a lot of people turn to these beers as the seasons get colder, um, because you get a nice warm, mm, little alcoholic heat ooh, up, the, up, the back of your, up the back of your throat and into your nose and makes your sinuses warm. It's nice. This, incidentally, doesn't have much in the way of alcohol heat to it. It's never, it's a fool's errand to try and guess your Belgian-style beer's alcohol content. But I'm a fool on an errand, and I'm going to guess 6.8, but that's apropos of nothing. I'm just guessing. It's, it's, it's definitely got more weight to it than like a 5% lager, but... Uh, you know what? Let's go to the label. Let's take a look and see what we have. Uh, <laughs> 8.5. Not even close. 8.5% alcohol. Oh, yeah. You know what's really funny? It's got pumpkin in it. It's... It's definitely going to be cooked pumpkin taste. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, because it says it on the label, and some of that spiciness, I'm wondering if maybe there's even a bit of spice added to it um, to go with it. Some of that um, f dark, uh, fruity quality, I think, might, be, might have been tricking me. Because the risky run, especially when you're not drinking things thoughtfully like I'm doing right now on the super reg, which if I'm honest with you, I'm kind of doing once or twice a week is, uh, you drink with your eyes. So Belgian style beer, it's dark. I kind of know what I'm going to be looking for on my palate. And that's a real risk because it means you can miss things. Um, it does say, uh, pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin licious. It's not super pumpkiny. Um, and I'm kind of glad for that. Uh, pumpkin beers, and actually, that's another thing we could talk about. Pumpkin beers, holy crap. A very North American thing, funny enough. Um, pumpkin beers can be problematic, <laughs> if you ask me. Uh, if they're too pumpkin-y, it's, it's pumpkin. Um, this is nice, though. Like I say, I think I, I, I'm getting it, and especially now that I'm thinking about the spices less in terms of yeast and more in terms of that there's possibly actual some spicing in with the pumpkin. And that makes a lot more sense. Also why it's a little bit more kind of, I don't like using the term generically because that sounds kind of negative. I think people have a negative connotation to that. I don't mean it negatively. I just mean that kind of like when you open your spice cupboard or closet in my case, um, there's a scent and it's driven by the, the, the big, the big players, right? Clove always is part of that because it's got such a, a dominant, um, aroma. Um, but you know, gingers in there and, and some cinnamon and, and funny enough, pepper, um, are often, if you just think of a general spice cupboard, that's the things you're probably getting the most of. Um, you're not smelling a ton of coriander seed, um, even if you have it, which I have it in droves, but, uh, there are certain things in a spice cupboard that kind of make the stereotypical, um, generic, uh, aroma. So that's that. This is really tasty. Um, hmm. As it's warming up a little bit in my glass in my hand, there's a bit more sweetness coming through now. 
Um, you know, I was saying at the, the, off the top, you get a, a real nice multi-character, uh, um, but it wasn't drivingly sweet. Um, it, it's sort of sweetening up a little bit, and it's touching a little bit, um, almost maple syrupy um, in taste. It's not like drinking maple syrup. It's nowhere near that sweet. Um, but some of that sweetness, um, it's got a maple syrupy kind of uh, quality to it, which is nice. I like this a lot. Um, I do kind of wish I'd put it in a chalice now that I've done this. Hmm. Almost a touch of coffee to the malt, too. Not quite. Close, though. And yeah, I'd, I'd buy it. I believe there's pumpkin in there. Not the first thing that comes to mind when I drink it, which, again, I like. So that's this is solid. This is, as I said, Dark Pumpkin Abbey from Indie Ale House. Uh, Abbey Strong Ale. All the goodness of fall. Belgian Monasteries and Edgar Allan Poe. Dark, funky, and pumpkin-alicious. It's nice. Pardon me, this is only a 500ml bottle, so I can top up my glass with it, and it will not overflow. Um, what should we talk about first? Well, what are you going to eat while you're drinking this? This is a complicated one because it's a big, 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 big beer, um, and, and there's a lot to keep up with. Pardon me. Honestly, here, I tend to, you know, I'll recommend something meat-based and then do a song and dance about how it's not what I'm going to eat because I don't do that. I'm like an insufferable vegan on social media. Um, but honestly, here's something that, that like a big stew, a big beef stew um, that isn't super crazy complicated. Like, don't overthink it. Um, or maybe even better, like a lamb, um, a lamb stew might might even just add a little bit, uh, a little bit more, more oomph to it. Um, but you want the stew to be a little bit more traditional. Sorry, I just got really distracted. My tattoo artist just texted me, and I'm really excited. Oh, we're going to get stuck with some more needles soon. Anyway, um, if the, the stew were creamier, so um, a lot of people don't do this, but historically you would have always done it, and I, I don't know where you land on the stew thing, but put literal cream in it. Um, you know, put in stock. Maybe you're making the stock. Um one of the best ways to make stew, if you've got the time, and that's a big if, but if you've got the time, take a joint, like a, 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 a lamb shoulder is fine. It's dirt cheap. Uh, especially people, sometimes you say lamb, they oh, lamb, it's expensive. It's like, well, yeah, sure, if you're buying New Zealand lamb chops, yeah, they're not cheap. Don't buy that. Get uh, get a, a shoulder or a hawk, um, a cheap cut of lamb, and, and like a, a tough cheap cut of lamb this is the point you don't want to use lamb chops here you'll ruin them ruin them something that has a lot of muscular action shoulders hips call them hawks uh hawks are further down but you know what i mean um big tough muscular chunk of lamb uh that's cheap and so what are you gonna do okay let's talk what i would do if i were you and i'm not you but this is what i would do if i were you I would take that uh, that joint of meat, and I would take uh, a mirepoix, that's what we call it, of uh, vegetables, uh, roughly equal parts. We're not, this isn't science class, guys. It's just cooking. We're just having a good time. But you're going to want your onions, just plain old white cooking onions, right? Nothing fancy. Uh, carrots, again, cheap carrots are fine here. You don't need really nice, attractive, equally sized carrots, just carrots, carrot carrots and and celery and you don't even have to be particularly careful cutting this stuff up just chunks you know 
spoonable sized chunks. You're not going to spoon these up. They're going to be basically gone by the time we're done. Spoilers. But that's about the size you're looking for. Okay, you're going to take those, put them in a roasting pan, put your joint on top of it. Your joint of meat, guys, the, the lamb. Don't put a, a, a marijuana cigarette in there. That's crazy talk. And uh, chuck that in the oven at like, you know, hot. 400, 450, whatever you like. It doesn't matter. You're not actually cooking the meat here. I mean, you're cooking it a bit, but we're not aiming for service. You're only going to leave it in there for 45 minutes to an hour max. Okay. All you're trying to do is get the outer part a little bit crisped up, maybe cooked a little, and you want the, the vegetables to now be sort of immersed in lamb fat and also be a little bit cooked. Okay. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take all of that, all of it, and scrape it into the biggest pot you've got. With me? Cool. You're going to take that, you're going to top it up with water so that the joint doesn't have to be floating. Again, the meat, the big chunk of meat, uh, it doesn't have to be like bobbing, but you want it to be more or less covered, okay? So now you've got those lovely roast veg, you got that big old hunk of meat, and you got water in there. You know what that's going to be? It's going to be stock. Cover it, simmer it. Hours, low, right? Just a lightly moving boil. The top should just be just turning over, little bubbles, a lot of steam, but not like... It's, you don't want your lamb to be in a jacuzzi, okay? You're going to be doing this midday. You're not eating this today. You're eating it tomorrow. In the evening, well, now you can put in some flavor town, some bay leaves. That's nice. Uh, maybe some thyme. You can do what they call the, uh, the Simon and Garfunkel. Put in some parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Uh, and bay. I don't know why they didn't mention bay. That's probably the most important one out of the lot. Some garlic. In fact, you could have put some garlic in the roasting pan. That would be really special. Um, and then that's it. And just leave it low and slow overnight. If you're worried about leaving something on the stove, you're crazy, but that's fine. Don't worry. Put the lid on it. Put it in the oven at about 300. As long as it was at a boil when you, when you move it to the oven. And as long as the oven's preheated, that's going to work just fine just fine. You can make it 350. It doesn't matter. Just a low boil in the oven covered. Okay. In the morning, you're going to wake up. You're going to be hungry as because that smell is going to have permeated your entire place of, 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 since so I worship, you're not cooking at your place of worship. Maybe you are, but I'm not a uh, place of residence. <sighs> now it's the morning. Just let it keep going. Just let it keep going. Just let it keep going. Okay. Midday. Now it's been cooking for about a day. Now you can add in some stuff. You can put in some more carrots because most of that vegetable matter is going to be gone. It'll have, it'll have broken down. Put in some nice fresh carrots, maybe some peas. A lot of people like peas in their stew. Whatever veggie bits you like, maybe some parsnips. Ooh, that'd be nice. Uh, put some nice chunky vegetables in there. Again, now these ones are going to be in your spoon, so you want them edible sized. Uh, again, step away, let it go. Just let it go. Towards the end, when it's getting close to service time, it's going to get a little crazy. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to grab the bone in the meat and you're going to lift it out. And what you're going to find is not a lot of meat's going to come with it. Now, you're going to need to be careful. It would help if you know the meat that you put in there because there's probably more than one bone. <laughs> okay? So you might need to go fishing a little bit. Find the big hunks of meat. And in the process of doing this, what you're going to find is the meat is going to fall apart. And that is a-okay. Okay? It'll just break apart into lots of little bits of stringy lamb. 
you're fine. That's what you're looking for. Once you know that all the bones or most of the bones are out, and also now the meat's mostly broken up, you're going to add cream. And I mean whipping cream, 35% cream, okay? Pour that in. Like, I don't know how much, a pint, half a pint. It's up to you. It's your stew, but it's going to make it real special. A real special and uh, salt and pepper and you're done you'll be happy as a clam at high tide eating stew and that would go pretty darn good with this beer how do you like that ever mentioned that i was a classically trained french chef because <laughs> i am anyway uh cool stuff about belgian beers i don't think we have a lot of time to talk about this but abbey beers Belgian style. We talked a bit about using candy sugar. Uh, interesting yeasts, definitely. Pumpkin, not a normal uh, taste in, in Belgian beers. And do you want to know why? Because pumpkins are native to North America. Now they have them the world over now because, you know, globalization. Pumpkins are North American. And pumpkin beers were an adaptation of early white settlers in North America. Um, they needed things with fermentable sugar and pumpkins nowhere near malted barley for fermentable sugar, but it's more than dirt. So people would make beers using pumpkin to bulk up the, 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 the sugar content. Um, also it would add a pumpkin-y taste and people were down with that. So that was cool. But pumpkin beer is a very North American thing. Um, so pumpkin Belgian beer, that's an interesting take on it. Um, Anything else we should talk about? I think that's good. I think that's it. Hey, uh, I got to get going. It's I, We've been rolling 25 minutes already. That stew recipe took a while. Hmm. Anyway, um, Indiel has just posted on social media. I can't remember which one. Uh, they've converted the retail space in their uh, brew pub in, in the junction. They're calling it the Beardega, like a bodega, but... Uh, for beer so you can still buy all their beers they're beautiful stuff but they've added things they've got some frozen take-home foods from their kitchens so you can take home a meal heat it up when you're at home get some quality indie alehouse food and uh, who doesn't like the indie alehouse uh, actually that kind of reminds me a couple of people mentioned and you were right hang on a second this is not going out live on instagram right now and i am sorry for that i don't know what happened Anyway, sorry, Instagram. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, some people mentioned they caught that I kind of poked a bit of fun. I wasn't poking fun at Ben Johnson. I was just making a joke. But uh, Ben Johnson has an Indie Alehouse ad in his podcast, which is a great podcast. I always highly recommend you listen to it. Uh, that was not a real Indie Alehouse ad. I think I made clear in it. Uh, but I do love the Indie Alehouse at least as much as Ben Johnson, maybe more. We've never arm wrestled over who likes the Indie Alehouse more, him or I. Who knows? But uh, I've kind of lost my train of thought. Indie Alehouse, they're doing the beer dega, checking them out in the junction. Great, great, great people. Uh, Jason, their founder and owner, is a wonderful fellow. Uh, always good for a good chat. Uh, and feel free to ask his opinion of just about anything because he'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to drink this while I laugh about that. Mm. Their brewer, too, Jeff Broders, the king of curds, if you're familiar with uh, the CNE, um, is a fantastic fellow, and he once rescued me from myself at a Jimmy Buffett concert. But that, my friends, will be a, a story for another time. Um, 
check out uh, Indie Alehouse. Other thing worth mentioning, uh, also saw on socials today, Godspeed is doing... Oh, I can actually check because the Instagram machine isn't being the Instagram machine. Um, I can't remember who it's in partnership with, but they're doing a... Oh my gosh, my search screen on my Instagram is bonkers. There's a lot of skin on it, and I don't know why, because most of what I'll look at is rugby and beer. What was I looking up? Godspeed. It's a Godspeed story, guys, because as we always say, what would the Toronto Beer Podcast be if we didn't talk about Godspeed for at least a little while? They, oh, maybe it's in their story? Yeah, there it is. And it's with the Pairing Club. They're doing Beer and Charcuterie Pairing Night, November the 21st, 7 p.m., five, count them five, Godspeed beers, five meats. That's meat from Sanigan's Meat Locker. At five all Canadian cheeses. There is going to be a an, an advanced, no less, beer sommelier, uh, a fromager, and uh, and a guy who knows his charcuterie from Sanigans. They're saying ticket link in bio. I have not looked it up. You know why? Because as discussed, I don't need charcuterie, but you should. That looks like a hell of a good event. This is going to be one of those take-home ones, I, I assume, I think, where you're going to get a care package with the beer and the meat and the cheese, and then at an appointed time, you will sit down with that stuff in front of you, you will flip on the Zoom call, and there will be your experts, and they will guide you through eating them. Not that you need help eating it, but you might need help thinking about what you're eating while you're eating it, so... We'll leave that to them. Uh, so check out that too. I think that's it. There's probably some other stuff going on, but you know me. I don't make notes. Don't even try and tell me because I'm not listening. What did you say? There's an event? Anyway. Uh, check out this beer though. Uh, Dark Pumpkin Abbey from uh, our friends at Indie Ale House. And, uh, and yeah, give some love. This is a fantastic beer. Uh, if you're listening to this and you usually watch this on Instagram, I would like to apologize once again. All I can imagine, and you don't understand how this goes unless you're sitting here watching me, but I have to start the record rolling on Adobe Audition. I have to click go live on YouTube and on Instagram. And the Instagram, obviously, I'm doing it on my phone with my finger, and I guess I either forgot or I just didn't poke it. And uh, I am sorry. I do like to spread my wings as wide as I can and tonight I didn't spread one of them so my apologies back this time next week Monday at 9 p.m. uh no there probably will not be a midweek um day tripping um uh, uh episode although thank you for the kind words about that I appreciated hearing from people that they enjoyed that maybe there's more of that in the future some people were saying a while ago they wanted me to do more spirits and I said maybe I would do that too maybe I should do all of it if I didn't have a job, maybe I could do beer on Monday, spirits on Wednesday, weed on Friday. That'd be something, but we don't have that kind of time. And by we, I mean me. So I'll be back this time next week, Monday at 9 p.m.-ish, you know, mm, squishy, hopefully on Instagram, definitely on YouTube. And if you're listening in your podcast feed, your podcast player, yeah, it'll be there too. So until then, you have yourself a good night. Take care of each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know what? There's an elephant in the room and I don't even care. We're not going to talk about that. Just have faith, guys. It's going to be all right. Take care of each other. You know what I'm talking about, especially if you're listening from somewhere not in Ontario, but 
down there. Be good to each other, guys. Have a good night.